here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. is Everything Evolves, the world's only podcast devoted exclusively to Evolve Wrestling. We are a proud member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, which you can find at VoicesOfWrestling.com or on the podcast app of your choice. We are your hosts, The Wrong Boys. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by Aaron Taub. I want to make sure everybody checks us out on Twitter, at EvolvePod. A lot of wild things go on there from time to time. Or you can find us independently. I'm at Aaron like the car. Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. I also want everyone to know that you can find our feed independently, just the Everything Evolves feed on iTunes. Uh, please subscribe there and get the wrong boys directly uh, onto wherever you listen to podcasts immediately after these episodes drop. Okay, it's been a while since we recorded, since we dropped an episode. Uh, the last time... We had a lot to talk about, but a lot had not happened yet. So it's time to catch you guys up on everything that happened since our last episode. So uh, the early part of this episode is going to be a lot about uh, the story that you probably know about by now that uh, Aaron and I wrote about our phone calls with Gabe Sapolsky that related to the leaked Evolve email. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, A.T., I know you don't want to spend this whole episode talking about us, but uh, I think we have to provide some background on what happened and kind of let the listeners know what all went down. Yeah, absolutely. I think that people uh, who listen to this podcast expect us to be accountable to them, at least to a certain extent. And there were um, there were some people who were critical of the choice that we made to publish a story that reflected poorly on Evolve promoter Gabe Sapolsky. And I feel like uh, we owe it to those people to explain ourselves. So uh, I, I apologize to our listeners. Like this podcast is about to sort of crawl up its own butt for a little while. But um, we feel like it's what you would expect us to do. So, yeah, let's get into it. All right. I think the best way for us to do this is going to be to, to lead everyone uh, through chronologically what happened so we can kind of show you uh, what went down, how we reacted to that and where everything went from there. So it, if you haven't been paying attention, it really all starts with what we told you about on our last episode about that we received the leaked email 
that Gabe sent to the Evolve talent prior to the September Evolve shows. So if you listen to that episode, you heard a lot about that email. You probably also read David Bixon's fan story at Fightful uh, or you're on Twitter. So you know about the email and what happened. So, but the main point, in case you don't know uh, everything about it, was that Evolve's going through a transition and also that Evolve has been making some creative changes that are based on direct input from WWE. So we talked about that and how it affected things and why Gabe wouldn't have wanted it to come out. So we did talk about that. What we didn't mention at the time on the episode is that when we started recording, we were right in the middle of a pretty bizarre conversation with Gabe Sapolsky uh, via direct message on Twitter. So how that started was that uh, AT DM'd Gabe on September 23rd and told him that we had the memo and asked him if he would confirm its authenticity. The point here is we did not want to come on the show and talk about an email that was allegedly leaked without having any idea whether it was real. By the time we talked about it on the show, A, we talked about that Gabe was displeased with the fact that we had it. So even though he didn't directly confirm it, we felt pretty confident. But of course, B, uh, David Bixon Span had posted the story on Fightful, and <laughs> the reaction to that made it pretty obvious that it was real. Uh, William Regal had already tweeted comments about uh, the quotes that were attributed to him in the memo, so we were pretty confident in the validity of the memo at that point. Regardless of that, before any of that happened, we reached out to Gabe to confirm that it was true. Gabe's immediate response was, uh, quote, this is in-house business, and I'd like to know who betrayed the locker room, please. So it was clear that he wanted us to tell him who gave us the memo. We told him, of course, that we couldn't tell him that. And Gabe's response was, I'm going to fire someone at random then. Blood is in your hands. That's a quote. So <laughs> uh, at that point, we kind of felt, Aaron and I talked about it a lot, like how to respond to that, how to deal with that. And this is, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone, a, a pro-labor, pro-wrestler podcast. We are pro-labor people. And the last thing that we want is to do anything that harms wrestlers, that harms talent. Uh, so we talked a lot about what we should do. Of course, we never considered giving up the person who gave us the memo. We decided that the best response was to uh, tell Gabe that it wasn't anyone in the locker room who gave us the email. We told him that straight up, uh, and that's true. We don't have any reason to... Uh, to hide that aspect, it was no one in the locker room who gave us the memo. So we told Gabe that we told him we didn't know uh, where the person who gave it to us got it from. And uh, Gabe's point was just that, you know, he's been sending these emails out for 15 years. They've never leaked. So and it only goes out to the locker room. So somebody is a rat. At this point, I, how were you feeling, A.T., about where this was going and kind of what you thought uh, we should do. Well, it was really strange because I assumed that, you know, Gabe has been doing this for 15 years and I assumed that at some point there have been negative stories that have come out, whether they were leaks or whatever. 
And so it seemed like a weird strategy to be like, can you give us your source? Because it was like, you know, of course not. Right. And sort of to the sort of like, I was surprised by how upset he was that, that the email had leaked and also sort of like, um, the kind of insistence that someone was a rat. Like, I don't know, from my perspective, I just sort of assumed that these things happen. And obviously the, the threat to fire someone at random was like very strange. And it was like, you know, cause we'd, we'd heard stories about Gabe and, and, and how he behaves when people are critical of him or, you know, or his decisions. Um, but sort of seeing this was like, oh, this is maybe a hint of what people are talking about. Uh, and it was really, um, yeah, I was like, I don't know what to do here, but I kind of hope this goes away. And we didn't talk about it on our show, right? When we recorded, we didn't say that he threatened to fire anyone. You know, we were like kind of anxious. We watched the shows to see if anyone who was booked wasn't on the show and everyone was there and we were relieved. Um, and so it was just very strange, but at that point we were like, all right, we'll like just carry on as normal. We'll just say he was unhappy. We don't need to sort of like burn this bridge. And, you know, cause we do do this podcast. Ideally we'd have an okay relationship with the people who run the company that we do this podcast about. Um, you know, so I just, I, it was like, all right, well, I guess this happened and we're going to try to move on. Right. Yeah. It wasn't, you can go back and listen to the episode and know now what we knew then that this conversation had already happened, but, uh, you know, we didn't see there was much to do with it at that point. Uh, of course, the reason that we reached out to Gabe in the first place was that we were planning to talk about that memo on the last episode, episode 10. Uh, so we were asking in in advance of that, even though we had the memo since Thursday of that week. So the next afternoon, this would have been Sunday the 24th, which is when we were ready to record. Uh, David Bixon's fan published the story that we talked about that included the memo, which, you know, you'll have that. That happens. Apparently somebody else uh, had leaked it out uh, to Bix. So after that happened, we were literally getting ready to record. Uh, Gabe messaged us again, uh, and he said, quote, I've never been this hurt. I'd really like to know who leaked this out. I'm just about done here. Again, Aaron and I talked about it at that point, and we decided that we didn't want to be going back and forth with Gabe throughout our episode while we were recording. We were going to let that go. And, uh, you know, see what happened. Of course, when we didn't respond, we got another message from Gabe that all it said were, were the names of two people affiliated with Evolve, which it had no other context. We interpreted that as him guessing who leaked the memo, asking us to confirm if those were the people who leaked the memo. We simply wrote back uh, that we were sorry that he was hurt by this whole incident, that we didn't intend anything personal by talking about the email on our show. We I reiterated that we didn't get it from anyone who worked the show, that we didn't know who gave it to the person we got it from, 
this is important. We all said, quote, but we can't give up our source. We also told him that we didn't uh, give it to Bix and that we heard talk that maybe several people had the memo, that there were several sources of, of leaks of this. So we didn't know how Bix got it. It was at that point that Gabe requested that we call him. So, again, Aaron and I do a lot of discussions of what the right thing to do is when we're uh, navigating. Well, we don't usually have to do that. It was really just this incident that's caused us to have to have a lot of conversations about what the right thing to do was in different circumstances. And we came to the decision that we owed it to Gabe to hear him out, to get his comments on everything. We knew that this wasn't going away. We were going to have to talk about this issue more. So we thought we owed it to Gabe at least to uh, talk to him, hear what he had to say. But of course, we were again uh, very serious about the fact that we would not give up the person who gave us the memo. So uh, I was elected to call Gabe. I did so. He didn't answer. And uh, I messaged him and said, hey, I tried to call you. You didn't answer. Here's my number. Call me whenever you want. And he messaged back and said that he was at the NXT house show and that when he when it was over, he would get back in touch with me. He did so, asked me to call him again, and I called him. Uh, Aaron, you you had a laugh when I noted that I was elected to call him. (laughs) Do you disagree with my uh, with how I have uh, described that? No, 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 no. Because I think that like I was doing the messaging at first and then you were like, do you want me to take over from here? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Because like you're a lawyer and I'm a baby. And so like (laughs) you're pretty used to handling conflict and navigating tense conversations, whereas I am not or at least, uh, yeah, I'm very conflict averse. And uh, it's given what was to come next it was probably good that it was you on the line because I probably, you know, I would never have given up our source. Sure. Never. But I may have been, I may have like crumbled in some ways. <laughs> I'm like pretty, uh, Gabe and I have like a shared cultural experience, I think, that makes me particularly <laughs> susceptible to certain kinds of uh, guilting mechanisms. And so it was good that you were sort of been trained to deal with conflicts like this. Yeah, unfortunately, a, a lot of my time is spent uh, in very tense phone calls. So I, I understood how this might go. Um, so I called Gabe as he requested. And I think this is really important. So I, I want, hopefully you're paying attention to everything, but I really want people to pay attention to this part. The very first part of my conversation with Gabe was him commenting on the level of journalism that we were doing. He specifically said, quote, this isn't Woodward and Bernstein here. And he kept making points that, you know, Evolve is a small promotion. It's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. Um, You know, basically, why would you want to talk about this memo when it's, when it's not a big deal? And he was responding to the fact that we said we wouldn't give up our source, that that was the phrasing that we used. Right. So that was important to him. That stuck out to him. And he was commenting on that by suggesting that what we were doing uh, wasn't high journalism. So that was a big part of the first part of our conversation. It became clear quickly that 
Gabe thought of us as super fans of the promotion and that he would say to us, you know, you can really help us out if you tell me this. Is you care enough about this promotion to do a podcast about it. So please tell me this uh, to help us get rid of this leaker from the locker room so that things can be okay in Evolve. Now, uh, another part of that is he said, quote, and, and I want to say that these quotes, I did not record the conversation with uh, Gabe. I did take contemporaneous notes as we were talking so that I would feel confident about the quotes that he said and about the context of the of the conversation. So uh, this quote, I think, is also important. He said, you have to report on the flow slam thing. That's a very public thing. And the reason that I'm focusing on some of these things is that as this conversation went on, it was clear that Gabe viewed what we were doing as reporting on certain things. He understood that there was a journalistic aspect to what was happening as we were talking. He did ask me at one point directly if I was a journalist. And I told him, no, I'm a lawyer, which is factually true, right? Uh, I am not a paid journalist. I don't, I practice law in my daily life. So we're going to talk more later about, you know, the journalistic aspect of this. But I did say that to him. I want to be clear about that. Uh, the conversation eventually became very contentious. Uh, once Gabe uh, accepted in a way that I wasn't going to give up the source, he basically hung up and uh, called me back pretty quickly after that. And that's when, if you've read the story that we posted on VoicesOfWrestling.com, that's when he started mentioning or commenting that Aaron and I were betraying Evolve and betraying him by doing what we were doing. So I explained the conversation to AT. We got on the phone and talked about it. I wasn't really sure what to do about everything that we, uh, you know, about the conversation, how to proceed, the next step to take. I thought about it a lot that night and the next morning. And ultimately I proposed to AT that I was going to write a story about the failures of wrestling journalism that I thought that was kind of the the main takeaway from all of this was that things like this can happen because there isn't a good enough there isn't enough scrutiny of wrestling and of wrestling promoters. And so I thought that was the kind of the way to go. Uh, Aaron impressed upon me that the conversation with Gabe was too newsworthy that things that happened in the conversation were too newsworthy to bury in a longer meditation on wrestling journalism so that we should lead with the news. Uh, we talked that out. I agreed. Uh, so instead of that, we're going to talk about those journalistic issues on this episode. But basically, if you haven't read the story, it's about the main takeaways were that uh, Gabe suggested um, several times that this leak has made him want to leave indie wrestling I think the quote was, I'm just about done with this indie wrestling bullshit. We we led the story off of that. And then we also reported the news that he threatened to fire an evolved talent at random if we wouldn't name the source. So uh, if you haven't read the story, I encourage you to check it out just to get a full the full scope of everything that went on. So as Aaron mentioned at the start of the episode, uh, I got to say, most people were supportive of the story. Most people thought it was important and made uh, positive comments to us about it. But there were several people who questioned why we published it, uh, 
you know, basically just question why we would do what we did. So I, I want to confront that head on because I think it's a I think they are uh, completely legitimate questions to ask. So I think Aaron and I want to talk about those and get those out there so that anyone who has that question can can talk about it. So where would you like to start here, Aaron, of getting at this, why we did it and if we did the right thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I guess some people, firstly, I would just like to say that there were there were some people who were like, why didn't you give up the source? There were a couple of people who were in our mentions who were saying, you know, you do a podcast about the company and, you know, he comes to you to ask for this favor and you can't do it. What's wrong with you? And I mean, if you hold that opinion and you're over the age of like 16, uh, I really don't know what to tell you, right? Uh, you should probably, um, examine, you know, how you view the world and your relationship to power, I guess, because it's like, it's like, yeah, we are fans of this promotion, but we're like full adults, you know, <laughs> the fact that, you know, we're not going to be like so totally starstruck by Gabe Sapolsky, though I did grow up admiring his work, right? Um, and still admire his work to this day, you know. We're not going to be so blown away by his star power that we just narc on someone who told us something in confidence um, and specified, hey, I can tell you this thing, but you can't tell anyone who who gave it to you. Um, so that's one thing. I just want to sort of like dismiss that out of hand. The question. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Let me jump in there quickly. Just there were a lot of people who are not a lot of people. There were a handful of people who said, why would you want to put something out that hurts Gabe Sapolsky? And I want to be clear that the intention of course was not to hurt Gabe Sapolsky. You know, the, the issue here was there was a, point in the article where we quoted Gabe as saying, I don't have the quote in front of me, but essentially the quote was that this almost cost him his job with NXT. He later uh, claimed that he doesn't have a job with NXT, but that's beside the point. So if it affected Gabe negatively, people suggested to us, you know, why would you want to do something that would affect Gabe negatively? We're going to talk about this more, but the point to me was that this was newsworthy and whether it affected someone negatively was uh, beside the point because that wasn't our job. It wasn't to protect Gabe for uh, from what he said. He said what he said, and we quoted him saying what he said. And anything that happens from, like anybody else, the things that you say have consequences. And we decided to run the story. It didn't have anything to do with how we feel or felt about Gabe, uh, but a lot of people did have that concern, so I wanted to address it. Sure. Yeah. And the question of whether we should publish the story, though, is, is you know, an ethical gray area. Like, I fully 100% stand by how we conducted ourselves, but reasonable people can disagree on this. And I guess, you know, we did not set out to have this podcast because we wanted to do, you know, activist journalism. You know, we just wanted to, like talk about wrestling with our friends, you know, on the internet. And, but over time, we've sort of stumbled into doing small acts of journalism because 
if we're going to critique this promotion every month, it behooves us to know some things that are going on backstage, right? Like we don't want to be sitting here screaming about why isn't, you know, this guy in the promotion more? And then, you know, the people who know what's going on, who are more connected than us are sitting there being like, oh, well, that guy's like going to WWE. And so we would look stupid. Um, you know, not that we don't look stupid in other contexts anyway, you know, whatever. But so it does behoove us to like kind of know what's going on. And in the past, we've done small, you know, little tidbits. Like when we ask, you know, why wasn't Donovan Dijak book and booked? And, you know, we've asked Gabe questions before and sometimes he answers them and sometimes he doesn't. Um, so we've sort of crept into this. And when the WWN flow slam thing happened, we had to talk about it, right? Um, you know, it's a huge story. No one else was going to give it as much time and attention as we gave it. Um, we had to talk about it. And the leaked email, I mean, yeah, that was an interesting story. Um, certainly, we would want to talk about the news of sort of the relationship, you know, the tidbits that came out of that as far as w- WWE's relationship with Evolve. How could we not? Um, and so we have, you know, I think the lines are blurring between who's a commentator and who's a journalist, uh, across the media landscape, not just in wrestling. Um, the view from nowhere sort of objectivity of the New York Times is no longer tenable, right? And in, at a time when people can get, um, news and analysis from so many different places, people expect more and more that their um, their news and analysis will come from a certain perspective, right? Um, particularly in podcasting where, I don't know, if you find out things, you would be disingenuous to pretend that you didn't know them, right? Um, so it is a gray area. Um and I don't know that I would call ourselves journalists, but we do acts of journalism from time to time. And I would also say that for all of the subsequent commentary that, you know, Aaron Bentley, you know, isn't a journalist. He doesn't have any journalism experience. You know, I'm not a journalist now, but I have plenty. You know, you can look up on LinkedIn. You know, I graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hills School of Journalism. I was an assistant sports editor at the Daily Tar Heel. I was a paid intern at MLB.com. I worked at a news site called Law 360. I was a reporter, business insider. So, like, I know the rules of journalism, I guess. And so I think that'll come in handy later. Um, so I guess that was a rambly response. But no, um, I, Well, yeah. I also want to say it's not like there was this idea out there in some corners that we're like, hunting for scoops, you know, like we just, we got to have the scoops. And uh, honestly, this is just something that fell in our laps and we would have been irresponsible not to talk about it. Even Gabe acknowledged about the flow slam thing. Like, you know, you have to talk about that. Of course we do. How can we pretend to cover a promotion and then ignore news about it? So look, even if we hadn't talked about the email, it was out there. So if we hadn't talked about it, we would have looked like idiots. So if things fall in our lap that we learn about the promotion, we're going to talk about it. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. We're not always going to talk about them. 
of course, there's sometimes that use discretion in certain things. This was newsworthy. And so we talked about it. That's it. The, the so, other thing that, that I would say is that for me, the reason I, the, mo- the biggest reason I stand by what we did is that I think that power, powerful public figures should be held accountable, you know, to the public. And in this case, to wrestling fans, to wrestlers, to people throughout this like wrestling community, so to speak. Right. And while Gabe Sapolsky is not like a powerful person compared to the president, uh, he's pretty powerful in indie wrestling, right? He's the man with his hand on the so-called talent pipeline to WWE. He matters. And this is a pattern of behavior with Gabe, right? If you talk to enough people who've been critical of him online, all of them have stories of him crossing the line into inappropriate behavior, right? Um, we, we've seen that he yelled at David Bick. David Bixenspan has tweeted about how Gabe yelled at him when he was asking questions um, and saying that the uh, progress slash evolve show should be shut down uh, back in August. Um, back in 2014, TJ Hawk was critical of Gabe and uh, an email he sent out that had CM Punk in the headline and it was used to draw attention in a way that was like a little bit deceptive, but not like awful, but it was a little deceptive. And TJ, you know, criticized him online and Gabe decided to call him by his real name, you know, you know, breaking the anonymity that TJ had sought for himself. Um, and those are just two people. And I've talked to other people who have similar experiences. Um, and so for me, it's like, if this is how this guy treats people who he doesn't have power over, how does he treat the people whose careers depend on him? You know, um, like one of the critic, one podcast criticized us because they said, you know, you're, you don't get paid to do this. You're not professional wrestling reporters or whatever. You know, why are you hurting someone else's livelihood? And it's like part of our ability to publish that story stems from the fact that we don't generate our livelihood in pro wrestling, right? Um, you know, Gabe can be mad at us, but my clients are going to still going to give me business in marketing. Um, you know, my friend, you know, I don't have friends who are in the wrestling business, so their livelihoods are not going to be hurt in retaliation. Um, my significant other isn't in the wrestling business, so she's not going to be hurt by a retaliatory, retaliatory act, uh, you know, action. So I don't know. I think that's important. And I think that, um, the people who are, are paid wrestling journalists are like falling asleep at the wheel. Um, you know, back in January, Peter Casa suffered what appears to be a career ending injury because there was an equipment malfunction at an Evolve show. And then later in the show, Chris Hero and Keith Lee were wrestling in that same ring after they put it back together, and the ring collapsed a second time. Their careers could have been over too. And I'm not saying even that Evolve did anything wrong, right? Maybe it was a freak accident and there was nothing that could be done about it. But in a normal industry with a functioning industry press, 
we would know what happened. Like this story happened and it just went away. We never heard if Aval paid Peter Casa any money. We never heard if they paid for his medical expenses. We never heard, um, you know, whether they were taking proactive steps to make sure a similar accident never happened in the future. Um, and that's a huge failure on the Dave Meltzers and the Mike Johnsons and the Wade Kellers, right? I mean, even if, you know, and it's very likely, again, we're not ascribing blame here, um, at least to the promotion. You know, maybe Evolve gave Peter Casa an extremely generous compensation practice, and they've taken all the right steps, uh, you know, to prevent a future accident. And for the record, you know, we're not just yelling about that, you know, no one asked these questions because we did ask Gabe Sapolsky. We sent him an email with a bunch of questions uh, last night uh, and it's told him we were going to uh, record at 5 p.m. the following day. Uh, he didn't get back to us before we went on the air and still has not gotten back to us as of this moment. Um, so, but the fact, you know, that we never got a story saying, uh, here's what happened. Here's what they did. Um, is incredible, right? And so, I don't know. I guess I feel like, you know, this is our dinky, um, indie wrestling podcast that we do for free twice a month. But I think that when we do our dinky wrestling podcast, we're going to try to, um, do it in line with our values. Um, and one of those values I think is holding powerful people accountable. And, you know, look, uh, Aaron Bentley is an activist, right? He's a lawyer who represents, um, you know, people who've been, you know, sexually assaulted in prison or beaten up by prison guards. Some of the most vulnerable people in our society, people who are literally disenfranchised. And I sometimes post about social justice issues on social media. So you can imagine <laughs> in a world where I'm a little more uh, disciplined, a little braver, you know, I might be doing the same kind of work. And so obviously, you know, we have uh, some ideals and things that we want to hold true to, even in like our dinky indie wrestling podcast. So that's my, yeah, uh, that's, that's my like piece. No, uh, first of all, you're being entirely too kind to me, but it's true. We bring certain beliefs to everything that we do. I think we're both the kind of people who can't just turn off what we believe. Uh, we didn't come into this. It wasn't like, oh, God, we're going to go into this podcast and expose all the terrible practices that evolve. Uh, you know, we never had any, any real. We just wanted to talk about wrestling. Right. We wanted to watch the mini docs, talk about them, watch the matches and say kind of what we liked and didn't like and uh, what we wanted to see. That was it. Right. Now, we did throw in a little pro labor things here from from time to time, even in our earlier episodes. But that wasn't like the central part of the podcast. But when something happens that implicates those beliefs and ideals, we're not going to turn it off. We're going to keep holding powerful people to account. Gabe Sapolsky can tell me all he wants on the phone that Evolve isn't that important and Gabe Sapolsky isn't that important. But in this community, Gabe is important. Evolve is important. 
This is, if Evolve went away or Evolve didn't exist, a lot of people would lose jobs and lose money, right? If, uh, if Gabe didn't exist, there's a lot of talents who may not have ever made it as far as they did, right? So he is important. And therefore, I think it's important for us that when we see things that are, that are wrong, we got to call them out. That's just how it is. I don't know any other way to live. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. And, and and I would say that he's, you know, I don't know, right? Like, I guess the last thing I would say is, like, it was newsworthy, right? Like, I bet the people who work for Evolve wanted to read the story about how the boss was threatening rando podcast hosts uh, that he was going to fire someone at random over a leak. Yeah, for sure. That's the other big reason. Like, I think there are two main reasons we publish the story. One is holding uh, powerful public figures accountable. The second is that we are pro-labor. I think it was important for people to find out that piece of information. Everybody in the Evolve locker room, all other wrestlers in the world who who might at some point work for Evolve, I thought it was important for them to know. And I think that was borne out by the fact that a lot of people pulled that out of the story and and. Honestly, I think that was talked about more than the NXT aspect of the story, which we led the story with. I think people, more people talked about the fact that he threatened to fire someone at random. So that resonated with a lot of people in the, at least in the online wrestling community. And, uh, I said, you know, when I've been defending our decision privately, I've said this. So I want to say it publicly. This was my personal calculus in publishing this story. Aaron can disagree if he wants. There were there were two. I don't questions. disagree. I agree. It was your personal calculus. <laughs> sure. Well, but if you had a different calculus, you can you can tell everyone. But I had two questions. One is Gabe a public figure? I don't think there can be a question about that. Two is what he said newsworthy. I don't think there can be a question about that either. I, I think. Well, no, I, I I don't mean that. There could be a question about whether you personally believe it was important for people to know, but. He is a public figure, and we thought it was newsworthy. So I don't have a single regret about posing the story, except that it has uh, taken up so much of my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I would disagree to a small extent in that um, it wasn't just the newsworthiness for me. It was the fact that the actions um, deserve to be um, revealed. I guess that the actions were bad, were morally bad and deserve to be revealed. Like, I think that, um, you know, if, and we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but if someone had, if the news that a, that a person had accidentally revealed to us in a fit of rage had been, uh, you know, we're bringing in this guy to wrestle, uh, you know, or something like that, something that was, um, ethically neutral we're like i'm not out to get people in trouble or you know for no reason um i would have been inclined not to go forward with that if, if something if something were just like um if something that it were something that i didn't feel was like the business of evolves customers and a talent and the broader wrestling community, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I guess that's obvious with the part about 
firing someone at random. I think the bigger question that some people had was about the part that we reported about him saying he almost lost his job with NXT and, you know, whether we should have reported that. I stand by that reporting because I think it is newsworthy to the entire wrestling community. There's nothing morally bad about him telling us that he almost lost his job, except that it, it plays into the whole the leak story that was important. And it just plays into the wider wrestling landscape. So I thought it was important to publish, even though it wasn't uh, it didn't reveal anything bad about anyone. It just was part of a big story. Okay, so after we published the story, wait, there's more. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize. I was like, oh god, this is like we're really going on. But uh, but yeah, yeah. If you think that this is consuming a lot of your time. Imagine how much of our lives it has consumed. Yeah. yeah. Well, imagine this. After we published the story, um, well, we published the story. It was early, early in the day, I feel like, that day, uh, before launch, at least. And I was at work at my job where I uh, practice law. And suddenly my cell phone is is ringing and it's Gabe Sapolsky. Uh, I can't remember if I answered the very first time he called, but I answered and we talked and uh, he started by, well, he was very upset about the story. Of course, he accused me. Well, first he asked whether I had recorded the conversation and I told him that I made contemporaneous notes of the conversation. He accused me of making up the quotes that were attributed to him in the story and asked me to rescind the quote about his NXT job and the part about him threatening to fire a talent at random. I reminded him that he made the threat to fire someone at random in a direct message. And so there was absolute evidence of that. And he uh, backed down from that, but stuck by his request that I rescind the quote about the NXT job. I told him that I took contemporaneous notes. I stood by the quote. He said it. So I didn't have any reason uh, to rescind it. The, he had to go at some point, you know, so he's going to call me back and he called me multiple times after the calls got increasingly contentious. I decided to stop answering the phone calls. I didn't think there was anything productive to be gained at that point. And that is when, uh, pretty soon thereafter is when Gabe started tweeting. So you may have seen this. These tweets were deleted later. Uh, apparently he was purging his feed of any from during the time that they were on flow slam. So he wanted to make sure he got rid of anything that had to do with flow slam, but he also deleted these tweets. Uh, The first one, he said, FYI, I had an off the record conversation with someone last night that he decided to report. Yes, I'm going through a tough time now. The next tweet for the record, I do not have a quote unquote job with NXT. Obviously we have a relationship and that is my concern. It went on from there. I kind of went back to the, the TJ Hawk style is what came next. Uh, he tweeted, FYI, here is guy who ran article, admitted he's not a journalist. As you can see, he's very much not, but a lawyer. Then he included a link to a website. Unfortunately, it was a link to an old website of mine. Really irritated me, Gabe. I, I would really prefer if you could use my current website because, uh, you know, anybody who reads your tweets could have a loved one in prison who needs uh, representation. I'd be happy to help them. So I tweeted out, you know, just to remind everyone of my current website. I think Gabe, I used to do uh, personal injury work. And I think uh, 
Gabe did make many comments about the fact that uh, that being a lawyer was not a very respectable profession. So he was he was very perturbed that we uh, made negative comments about wrestling promoters on our last episode and wanted to point out that uh, being a lawyer is no better than being a wrestling promoter. And that's, you know, your mileage may vary on that. Uh, and then his last tweet was, so the ethics of blindsiding me on this article for an off-the-record call during a low point of my life are very shady at best. I... I wasn't I wasn't upset or anything about any of these tweets. I thought it was I thought it was low to what he was trying to do was to tweet this website as if it would embarrass me or, or something. But of course, I'm very open about the fact that I'm a lawyer and the work that I engage in. And I'm not embarrassed about the fact that I used to do personal injury work. I mean, that's a pretty common thing for uh, a plaintiff's lawyer to do starting out. So I don't have any problem with that. Also, I helped a lot of people. So <laughs> it really doesn't bother me. Um, so I didn't care about this. Uh, I just thought it was a little silly. He sent us some direct messages that were uh, similar to the tweets. He was just telling us he wasn't happy that we published the story. I guess <laughs> I, I guess the funniest part of the whole episode was that Ryan Satin, who used to be with TMZ and currently runs Pro Wrestling Sheet, tweeted, yeah, that definitely sounds shady, especially if you weren't told your conversation was going to be the basis of a news article. There was some conversation back and forth, and Satin said, I guess it's just a matter of ethics. Can't count how many convos I've had where something newsworthy was said to me, but I didn't report on it because I knew they were telling me in confidence, not for the purpose of a news article. That's why I make sure to let the person I'm speaking with know the conversation is on the record before publishing a story on it. That's just me, though. So we've already established, Aaron, that you have more uh, journalistic bona fides than I do. So what was your reaction to this Ryan Satin comment about on the record versus off the record? It was stunning because I've seen some of his work and it seems like he's pretty good. And TMZ, uh, you know, no matter what you say about them, it's like a legitimate news organization that breaks a lot of news. And certainly... Uh, where he, you know, cut his teeth was uh, not an organization that's known for giving people sign off on what they publish. Um, and it was just bizarre because it's like, and, and, and Gabe claiming that the conversation was off the record and Ryan sort of saying that was just strange to me because it's like, if you work at a real company, right? Like if you work at like a Fortune 500 company and you go through media training, um, the first thing they teach you, right? The person who sits down with an executive or whoever, or if you go to journalism school or PR school, the first thing is that if you're talking to a member of the media, which Gabe indicated that, you know, with the Woodward and Bernstein comments, he knew what was going on. Everything you say is on the record until you ask to go off the record and that off-the-record request is granted. And if you've been doing this for 15 years, and it blows my mind, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this has come up before, and Gabe forgot, or whatever, but like, it's unbelievable to me that, you know, this hasn't come up before in his career. 
Um, and so, but I do agree with Ryan that you can extend a journalistic courtesy to someone. And, and we will, like, especially if we're dealing with a wrestler who's like early in their career. In, our, in the past, we've been like, hey, let me know what, you can, what we can use. Because someone, you know, who's early in their career, they haven't, um, you know, done a lot of interviews. Maybe they might not wrote, know the rules. And so you're like, okay, let me know what you can use. So you can look like if you want to be like, hey, hold on. Um, you know, I like noticed that your dick is out of your pants. Uh, do you want to like push it back in so you don't trip over it? Like you can do that. You can give that courtesy to people. Um, and you can also tell people like, hey, negative stories coming out, like just as a heads up. But uh, you don't always extend those courtesies to people, um, you know, particularly if they are harassing you to reveal your source and saying that you betrayed them. Um, you know, I think at that point we were like, we like don't, you know, it was like we don't want to keep talking to this guy right now. Like, we're like, we're done. You know, we're going to publish our story. And like, we have no desire to have another conversation with him. And given the way he behaved previously, we didn't feel like we owed it to him. Um, and so, you know, obviously, we knew that it was not going to be a story that he was happy about. And we, you know, I suspect that if he had known that it could appear in a story, he wouldn't have said those things, but we were well within our rights to publish it. And I think it was the right thing to do. I know I'm fully believe that it was the right thing to do. Um, and I mean, we published the story and we stand by it, but at every other step of the, of the way, we weren't the ones who escalated, right? Like we're not having this conversation right now. If Gabe does like any of five different things when we come with it to him to confirm the email, Right. You can say no comment. You can say I can confirm it, but I can't say anything else. You can say I can't confirm it. But what are you going to write about it or what are you going to say about it? And then you kind of have a back and forth about saying, well, I can't confirm or deny. But here's what I can say. Or, hey, it's really sensitive right now. Um, could you not do it? And, you know, I'll, you know. We'll give you a guest or something on a future episode. There are like dozens of ways to handle this. Um, that fall within like the boundaries of acceptable adult behavior. And instead he chose to threaten to fire someone at random and then proceeded from there. And then when the story came out, he could have taken responsibility and said, Hey, I'm sorry I did this. I fucked up. I know that I have this problem. I'm going to work to be a little bit better about controlling myself when I'm really upset. But he didn't. He went on the offensive and said that we had, you know, done a shady thing by by publishing something that was off the record. So, I mean, you know, we've tried our best to be fair, but ultimately, like, you know, when you're an adult, your actions have consequences. Yeah, I, I Obviously, I agree with that 100%. I want to go back a little bit because you said, you know, when you, you know, when you're talking to a member of the media, I know I talked about this, but we, but we uh, consistently referred to the person who gave us the memo as our source, which I think was a tip off that we were acting as members of the media. 
Gabe referenced uh, several different uh, or made several different comments about journalism when he was talking to us. He mentioned that we had to report on the flow slam issue. There are so many indications that Gabe believed he was talking to reporters or media members when he talked to us. Just because he doesn't think we're journalists, I don't think changes the rules of the game in any way. He knew uh, who he was talking to and what we do. He's given us quotes in the past. He's commented on stories to us in the past. So I don't feel like we, I, we did not hide anything from him or, you know, trick him into giving us something that we could use against him salaciously. Uh, that's not what we do. It's not what we've ever done. Uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't align with the ideals we were talking about earlier. It's, it's not who we are. So, and you know, this whole Ryan Sadden thing, it really exemplifies why we published the story, the talk earlier about holding public figures accountable and how the wrestling media has failed at that. I don't, I got I don't regularly read Ryan Sadden. I don't have anything bad to say about the stories that he wrote. I did make a tweet about when he, I forget what, oh, about Marty Jannetty sleeping with his daughter or whatever that was about. And I did uh, make a tongue in cheek tweet about that this was the uh, level of journalism that Aaron and I just couldn't reach. But other than that, I don't really have a lot of experience with, uh, with what Ryan does. But, uh, so I, I may not even mean this specifically about him because I don't have, I haven't like studied everything he's ever done, but this is, uh, an example of the kind of stuff that leads us to this moment. Like if, if wrestling journalism was more focused on accountability, no one could act like that when things happen. When you are criticized, it's just not how normal people get to act. I know the president gets to act like that, but normal people don't act that way. Normal people in business and with any sort of uh, power are usually held to account. I know we're in the middle of a time where people can act like this and they, they aren't held accountable for it. Like not only with the president, we're seeing this with Harvey Weinstein and like how that's all coming out where he's acted, uh, has great power and has acted that way for a long time and, and hasn't been held to account for it until now. But in, in most aspects of life, when you uh, treat people badly or act in certain ways, the media that, that covers uh, what you do is supposed to hold you to account for that. And they haven't done that here. If, if they had in the past, we wouldn't be here, I don't think. So uh, I think Ryan's talk about, you know, how, oh, I just, I, I fall over to make sure I uh, make sure uh, that no one uh, says something they didn't mean to say, that I don't publish something they didn't exactly want me to publish. Like, that's not what the media is supposed to do. And wrestling would be a lot less scuzzy if there was uh, a, a journalistic uh, community that actually held people to account. Anyway, all right. There's only a few more things about this story, and, and then we might actually talk about some wrestling on this show. So part of this is, is a continuation of the story, but it's also we need to update on what's going on with WWN and Flow Slam and that whole story, which is really important in uh, for this promotion. So September 27. Gabe tweets that he's found the leaker. He tweets, quote, found out who leaked the email. I love Evolve, WWN, and our entire locker room of professionals. Can't wait for 1014 in, in New York and 1015 in Connecticut. He doesn't say who, who leaked uh, the email, who he's discovered as the leaker. 
Now, interestingly, on the same day, Larry Dallas, who used to be a, a WWN performer, uh, and I understand hosts a radio show, uh, tweet, make some tweets that accuse wrestler Chip Day, who's not associated with Evolve, of leaking the email. Lenny Leonard, the WWN uh, play-by-play announcer, or I guess he does everything, not just play-by-play, tweets a photo of Chip, the character from Beauty and the Beast, <laughs> in a pretty fun tweet that I enjoyed. So there was a lot of talk about uh, about the way that Chip might have gotten access to the email. I don't know how public that is, but there was a lot of talk about how he might have gotten access to it and uh, dished it out. So, but we never get any confirmation if uh, if Gabe thinks Chip was the one who leaked the email. We did reach out to Gabe, as Aaron mentioned earlier, and asked for a comment on uh, who the leaker was and whether it was Chip Day, and he did not respond to that. On the same day, Ethan Page announces that he's leaving Evolve. Uh, now, interestingly, related to that, Ethan Page tweeted before this happened that he was not the one who leaked the email and that he had been accused of being the one who leaked the email, that there was something between he, he him and Larry Dallas because he posted uh, DMs between him and Larry where they talked about the fact that they weren't responsible for the leak. So he was addressing that. However, uh, the Observer Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, from Dave Meltzer reported that Ethan Page was already scheduled to finish up with Evolve. And we did hear that from several people that that, that was already uh, in the plans. So uh, did you did you take anything from all this happening on the same day? Mm, I don't know. Everyone seems to say, you know, the Observer reported it, the Voices of Wrestling flagship guys said it, that Ethan Page was already on his way out. So that's what we know. Um, it's possible that, like, the whole ordeal hastened it, you know, that he maybe would have worked another show. Or, but I don't know. You know, that's probably unfair to speculate, I guess. We don't know, right? I don't. And my answer is that... Uh, no, I don't take anything by it. All right. Uh, okay. I don't think we're going to talk any more about us the rest of this show. So that should be good. Yeah. Uh, don't mind. Uh, let me just uh, step down off of this high horse. And uh, <laughs> once I once I reach the ground, we can, uh, we can get back to it. Okay. I'll wait. Uh, but yeah, I think that covers everything about that story. So we can move on to other things uh, and get into actually, you know, flow and uh, WWN and, and what's going on there. We did learn in the Wrestling Observer newsletter that came out September 27th that Flow Sports was projecting in the range of 50,000 subscribers at first when they decided to get into the pro wrestling business. That was based on the idea that they could corner the market for Major League Pro Wrestling with every significant company other than WWE and be the alternative streaming platform. This is fascinating because this hasn't been confirmed, but David Bixenspan reported that his Flow source told him that there were about 2,500 subscribers at the time that they broke up. I haven't seen any other reporting about that. And a lot of people have, have guessed that they think that's a little low, but either way, it's, it's, of course, we all know it's nowhere close to 50,000 that they were doing. Uh, Dave Meltzer also reported in that same edition that WWE was, was very upset 
about Flow Slam and all that coming together, particularly with Evolve being part of it, and tried to get Evolve to pull out and air instead on the WWE Network. Dave reported that when all that was happening, that is what led WWE to negotiate deals with ICW and Progress to stream their shows. But once WWE realized that Flow Slam was not going to be a success, they ended up not putting the promotions on the network. So that was, you know, it's all interesting about how that all played out because at the time we all thought WWE was really worked up. They seemed to be taking some shots at WWN at the time. So I think it turns out that reporting was all true, that that was going on behind the scenes. And that's why they started lining up these other promotions. But once they realized it wasn't going to be any like it was ever going to be real competition, but once they realized it was going to be no competition, they weren't worried about it at all. So, and uh, that same edition of the observer, we said we were going to talk about us. Yeah, we have to talk about ourselves one more time because we promised Gabe that, you know, he sent us some comments and things from the last episode he thought uh, were unfair. And we told him that we would present that perspective. So uh, we are people of our word. So that's right. Go ahead. So uh, the first one was Sapolsky was furious that the memo got out, but by and large, most of these rules have been in place since prior to the Dallas WrestleMania. They are put in every memo. I don't think. So now it's, that's still from the observer. Right. Um, and that was a thing that he sort of expressed that, you know, these things are in, you know, we've had these rules about head drops for, for 12 to 18, you know, for 18 months. And, you know, you made it out like it was some new thing. Right. We suggest we did kind of suggest that because the the email said made it seem like they were ongoing rules. And we questioned that. We questioned that largely because there are pile drivers and and head bumps and apron bumps and evolve. So uh, Gabe suggests when we said that to Gabe, because we have had some conversations since all this happened. When we said that to Gabe, he said basically, yeah, but look who gets to do those spots. It's it's the people at the top of the card. My personal opinion, if you go back and watch the shows, you won't see that, but that it was Gabe's perspective. So we told him we would share it on the show, and here it is. Yeah, I mean, I just wish that he had known that we were going to be talking about uh, the memo on our show. So he could have, you know, I wish I just wish that there would have been a way for that he could have possibly um, told us those things before we went on the air and said the thing that he said was wrong and unfair. Wow. I mean, that would have been amazing. I don't know how you would do that, but it would have been cool. The other thing from the Observer was, okay, we talked about. We called them, we called them cheap. We did, we did. it. We'll own it. We called them cheap. Yeah, we did. Uh, I stand by it. We called them WWN cheap. We said, well, what we said was. I, I called them chiseling too. <laughs> yeah. What we said was they got all this flow slam money and they didn't invest it uh, back in the promotion in a big way. Well, Gabe didn't like that. He told us uh, in direct messages that, no, they spent a lot of money going into these other cities, that they spent a lot of money on the on the technology side, on getting a new WWN Live website, WWNLive.com. He pointed out that the shows that they streamed last weekend, or not last weekend, the last weekend they ran, uh, were very successful streaming-wise, and that's totally true. Evolve or WWN is like a running joke for the streaming and they knocked it out of the park on those shows. And he pointed out, you know, that that took some money. He also talked to us about uh, signing guys like Keith Lee to contracts and bringing in guys like Leo Rush uh, and um, wow, Ricochet. Blanton, 
Yeah, Ricochet. And of course, Colorado. Dick Togo. Yeah. Yes, he mentioned all those people. So in the, in the Observer, uh, they mentioned that, uh, quote, they did increase the number of shows they were running to five per month and did use the money to sign talent like Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, and Zach Sabre Jr. to contracts. Got a new website, went into new cities, and in some cases went into better buildings. WWN did buy two new rings for more than $10,000 and spent $5,000 on turnbuckles and canvases around the time the deal went down. That's basically what Gabe told us. Uh, I would expect he gave some of this information to Dave Meltzer, who ran that in the Observer Newsletter, uh, because the quotes are are similar to what uh, Gabe told us. The most recent Observer Newsletter that came out on October 4th uh, had one more thing that's newsworthy. And this kind of does relate to us because we may we may not have uh, many shows coming up here soon. Uh, as you may know, there are no Evolve shows scheduled for November. Dave reported, quote, talent was only told there were no dates in November, but but they weren't going to be able to run as many shows without the Flow Slam money. So we know there's no November shows. We don't know. We know there's a show in December because Beyond uh, Beyond's Twitter account has talked about the fact that they are uh, running those show or that show together. Yeah, and that's we up also, on the website too. Right. And we also know there's going to be shows in New Orleans for WrestleMania weekend. So other than that, I guess we'll find out as we go. Again, we reached out to Gabe for comment on why they are not running in November, but he did not respond to that. Aaron, would you like to talk about wrestling? Yeah, that would be cool. Let's do it. I'm sorry that this episode sucks so bad. You know, like I was like, I was like, oh man, this is just like so dumb and in the weeds and boring. Um, but we felt like we had to do it. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully, uh, if anyone who works for Evolve uh, is listening, you know, just, uh, you know, we hope, you know, it's, we just hope that like nothing crazy or dumb happens in the next like five days and we can go back to just like making dumb jokes and talking about the wrestling and overanalyzing Matt Riddle's masculinity and doing all the things that we like to do on this podcast. For sure. And I want to be clear about this. I, you know, th- whatever happened, happened. I don't, I don't think Aaron does either. I don't have any ill will toward Gabe at all. Um, I think he acted inappropriately, but we all act inappropriately from time to time. We did talk about some things that have happened in the past that are similar, but you know, uh, sometimes we make bad decisions and I don't have anything, uh, negative personally toward Gabe. I just want to be clear about that. We tried to be as fair as possible throughout this entire process and only talk about uh, what we thought was necessary and give Gabe the benefit of the doubt where we could. Go back and listen to that last episode where we talk about the Evolve Flow Slam issue. And I think I sided with uh, Evolve on almost every point when most of most of the people out there talking about it think that uh, Gabe acted uh, inappropriately in that relationship. And, uh, you know, I haven't seen any evidence of that. So we're going to be fair at all times and uh, say what we think is is right. So it just so happens that in this particular instance, we think Gabe was in the wrong. That's that's the extent of it. Amen. AT. Yes. So the big thing that is going on wrestling-wise is this angle about the end of Evolve. Do you want to talk about it, AT, and get us set up? Yeah, yeah I'll do it. You've been setting us up all day or all podcasts. I feel so, like I've uh, talked a lot. On you this have show. talked a lot. It's good. 
Uh, it's better when you talk more. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah. Basically, on October 2nd, uh, Evolve released a cool one-minute video that they sent out via the WWN alerts. And I think they also tweeted it um, that showed, like, imagery of, like, there was, like, kind of, like, soft music in the background. And there were images of, like, dominoes and sun settings. The sunsets and, like, buildings collapsing. And, like, freeze and, like, uh, you know, what's it called when, um, oh, my God time lapses in reverse of Gabe Sapolsky, like letting people into the building and, you know, demolition sites. And then it's like the end of evolve was what it said at, at the end of the video on like a black screen. And then the video, like in the sort of description on YouTube, it just said like everything evolves to dust. Were you concerned when you read everything evolves to dust? No. (laughs) Um, because Even if Gabe Sapolsky leaves for NXT, which who knows what's going to happen, I think that there's still going to be a promotion, and maybe there'll be you know or a brand uh, on the WWE Network or whatever. I think they're still going to run, and I think that if they were planning to shut down for real, they like wouldn't have gone to all the trouble to make this video. But it was cool. It was super cool because um, one thing that I think Gabe Sapolsky has always done well is he does this kind of transmedia storytelling where he reaches the audience like in the real world online and he brings the story to them and it, and it plays off their expectations and their, um, the reality that they experience from reading all the like wrestling rumors and news. Um, and we saw that with, um, you know, when Chris Hero shut down, you know, the Ring of Honor uh, message board or the Project 161 thing with the Age of the Fall. Um, and even how, and to some extent, like how they do uh, the mini docs, I guess. But so I think that they, he's like really good at that kind of um, stuff. And he talked about, if you ever like watch that Gabe's Book of Secrets thing that he did after he left Ring of Honor, he talked about like a really interesting idea where like, they would stage fights between the wrestlers in the parking lot. And it would almost be like a sleep no more for pro wrestling, which I thought was such a fascinating idea. So I thought that this was really cool, the way it sort of plays with um, the sh- our shared reality as like internet wrestling dorks. And so I was into it. Um, and then on October 5th, they sent an email showing posters with like guys' faces crossed out. And the subject line was like evolve to dust spelled background backwards. And I was into it. Um, but then they lost me when they didn't commit to it. Right. Because it was kind of schizophrenic and that they just kind of went back to like tweeting normal things from the evolve wrestling account and Gabe's tweeting photos of him and Sal, you know, hashing out mania weekend plan. And they sent a regular, you know, Earlier this week, they sent just like a regular WWE alerts announcing that, you know, for New Orleans WrestleMania weekend, there are going to be two Evolve shows and a WWN Super Show. And they also said at the end of the email, this isn't the end. It's a new beginning for WWN. And it's like, I mean, we know that wrestling is scripted, but like, let us, you're, you went to the trouble to create this video and to like, in the emails to like create this world that, that like toys with our reality. Go with it. 
commit to it. And I think that's a problem in this promotion generally is sometimes they have really fascinating premises for stories. Like, for instance, the sort of television guys versus Evolve guys feud. Um, you know, I guess that was last year. Or, you know, Ethan Page's, like, God complex. And then the stories just kind of fizzle out or they change direction. And and it was just kind of like it doesn't make any sense because – um it's like who's sending these videos, right? In the past when they've had stuff like that, it's like someone sent the video to the Evolve office, um, blah, 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 blah. But in this case, there was no, they didn't say where it came from. So the only assumption could be that it was from the Evolve office, right? Um, but then, um, you know, but then they've tweeted at, they, you know, they sent out another email, like things were normal, but they didn't comment on, the previous email with wrestlers faces crossed out. Um, and so it's like, doesn't really make sense. Cause it's like, um, who is saying that evolve is ending. And if it's not the company, which is tweeting, like which is acting like everything is fine. Then shouldn't the company comment on it? Um, it just didn't really, it didn't add up all the way. And like, you wish that, they would have just like gone dark on social media and only posted these videos or something and really built up the anticipation and just sort of, um, you know, I understand, I guess from a business perspective, they want to be like, no, we're still going to be in business, like buy tickets to our shows. But if anything, I would have just pushed off the WrestleMania weekend promotion, just like one or two weeks till after this upcoming weekend shows. Cause um, I don't know, but by the same token, with all that said, um, you know, They've talked about how they're going to bring in some new talent. It's clear that there's going to be some kind of major angle that's going to be a shakeup. And I'm excited to see kind of what happens, where it goes. But, uh, yeah, I was like, just stick to your guns on this. See, have, you know, see this story through. Yeah, it was kind of a bummer because we talked about it as soon as this video came out about how into it we were. Like, I was pumped up to see how it was going to play out. It would have been really easy you know, if you want to send out your regular emails, it would have been really easy to be like, we don't know who's sending out these, e-, you know, or something. You could play that off and be like, but no, the, the shows are happening this weekend, you know, or whatever. Uh, but they, they didn't go with that, unfortunately. And it was so interesting because it played off of, I don't know, I'm sure this was obviously planned long before all this stuff happened and we posted the story. But that made it even more fascinating of like, we post this story of, Gabe might want to leave Evolve. And then there's this video that Evolve is ending. And it's like, ah, this is cool. You know, it's like there's, uh, there's some real intrigue here. Do you have, I mean, there are some whispers that maybe Gabe really is leaving Evolve or WWN, that he's on his way out. Do you think this is a way to figure out a way for, for Gabe to leave? I don't know. I mean, we saw that sort of, there's this new account called Leaky at Leaky Gabe. And they followed uh, everyone who follows our podcast, <laughs> including my girlfriend and Aaron's wife. Um, but, um, but I like, and that's what they're saying, but I'm like very skeptical of that account because it feels like it's either like a fake account or someone with an ax to grind or maybe even the promotion itself that's like fucking with our perception further. So I like kind of would like discount that out of hand. I don't know if, if Gabe were planning to leave for, for real, for sure. Um, 
that would be a cool way of writing him out, I guess. It like ideal and I dream scenario, I guess, is like, you know, if he is planning to leave the promotion and that's like the thing that will um what he wants to do, it would be cool if, you know, they did some angle where he brought in some, you know, killers to administer, you know, a lethal dose of poison to the WWN and to come out. <laughs> I hope and, that's not the angle. <laughs> you know, and and then, you know, it plays out over these next three shows. And then, I, you know, it would be cool to have him as, like, an on-screen character and for him to sort of have a chance. You know, if he's planning to leave, I hope he um, has a moment to take a bow at the end of one of these shows for, you know, as much as our we have, like, a very weird relationship with him right now, um, he should have a chance to, like, Soak in the applause for 15 years of hard and important and, and transformational work. I don't, you know, obviously we wouldn't be doing this podcast if, he, if it weren't for his work. And I don't know that I'd be a wrestling fan still if it weren't for his work. And um, he basically made up WrestleMania weekend as we know it as a festival of wrestling, which is something that gave me one of like the best vacations I've taken in my life last year and it's where we met um and he's sort of helped propel a number of my favorite wrestlers to um greater prominence and so yeah it's if this is the end of his run it's been an extraordinary run and i hope like he gets a nice send-off i think it's fair to say most of us wouldn't be involved with all this stuff without gabe without ring of honor and the great run that he had there, you know, most of us aren't people who can still get satisfaction from WWE. We've all kind of outgrown what WWE does. And I'm not sure people will will disagree with me on this. There Obviously, there were people who were already into Japanese wrestling before Ring of Honor came around. But I do think there's a huge crowd of people who... Uh, got interested in that sort of high-level indie wrestling and continued to seek out more and more. And now, you know, there's this huge boom of of U.S. fans who are into Japanese wrestling. And I think that's all kind of part of it. It all kind of comes together. So I, I'm i basically 100% confident I wouldn't be doing this. I, I mean, obviously, because Gabe invented Evolve. But, you know, I, I probably wouldn't <laughs> still be hanging out on Twitter talking about wrestling if it weren't for uh, – Ring of Honor and, and all that stuff. So anyway. And this promotion is like pretty damn good too. You know? Like yeah. We go we go go those shows of Laboom kick ass. Like I'm going to a wedding this weekend and that's a bummer. Or not a bummer. I'm very happy to see two of my close friends get married. Sure, <laughs> but, of course. Uh, <laughs> but you can go to Laboom. Yeah, just in just in case they, you know, happen to be listening to my niche wrestling podcast. Sure um do. but yeah, I won't be able to make it to Laboom and you know those shows are a blast and bring me great joy. So, yeah, those are my thoughts. Okay, well, uh, what, you know, 80 minutes into this, we're going to talk about the shows that are that are coming up. Uh, it's actually probably not that far into it. We started a little later than we intended to. Uh, okay, so Evolve 94, it's going down this Saturday night, 6 p.m., Queens, New York, at the aforementioned Laboom. You can watch it at WWNlive.com. You can pre-order those now. I, I assume they're still going to do the, the gimmick where the price rises on the day of the show. So I would 
suggest to everyone to order by uh, Friday. Go ahead and order and get the $9.99 price for the weekend for the uh, live viewing only. $14.99 for live viewing plus video on demand. The big match, the last man standing match for the WWN Championship, Matt Riddle defends versus Keith Lee. This is going to be a rematch from their title match at Evolve 87 in June. This is like the the only big-time feud that's that's ongoing in this promotion, I think. Uh, are you excited for this match? I mean, it's got – so the feud has been ongoing, but this last man standing aspect got kind of a short build to this. Uh, are you excited for the match? What do you think about this sort of stipulation in this promotion? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm fired up for it. I think that um... – I think it's going to be dope. Like, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, and I like that. And this is one of the, I think that since the, um, since the Darby Allen, Ethan Page match in Orlando, this is the best built thing they've done, you know, over the last, like, I guess six months. Um, is this Keith Lee, Matt Riddle feud and sort of the slow simmering tension of them first as unequivocal friends and then later as friendly rivals and then, you know, Keith Lee being increasingly uh, hesitant to shake Matt Riddle's hand. And then Riddle, as as our longtime listeners know, the true scoundrel of Evolve was ultimately the one who shoved Keith Lee and sort of, I think he turned on him more than the other way around. Um, yeah, it's a really well-built feud between maybe the two biggest stars in the company, and inarguably two of the three biggest stars in the company. They had an awesome match in June at Laboom. The building, like it's their best building. The crowd's going to be hot. I'm super bummed that I'm not going to be there for it. And yeah, I think that it's going to be a really excellent match. And I like the last man standing stipulation. I mean, Matt Riddle over the past year or so has really shown that he's a great, you know, no holds barred wrestler. You know, he has, he seems to thrive. We saw last month in a, his great match against Tracy Williams. And we saw her earlier in January against Chuck Taylor. Uh, you, you mean Dustin? I mean, dust all caps, Dustin, um, that he does really, really well in these sorts of brawly and you know, weapony environments. And so, yeah, I think this match is going to be awesome. I think it's well-built, and I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the match itself. I think it's it's hard to figure out where it's going to go, really because of this weird Riddle character that we've talked about, where he is he is the biggest babyface in the promotion, but the way he's booked is really kind of heelish at times. Uh, in, a, in a sane world, I think... Uh, Keith Lee would overcome the the bad guy Riddle and would win the championship here, but that's clearly not the way the story is being told. But so, what does Keith Lee do? Does he get even more pissed? You know, like goes even farther down or uh, further down this this hole of uh, of getting more upset about things that are going on? I, I just don't know where it goes. Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe Keith Lee wins. Um, no, there's no way. <laughs> that means he will. Yeah, right. Obviously, right. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever we say won't happen. So, but I, yeah, well, it's, um, I just mean, if, if Evolve is in a transition period, I think they want to keep uh, Matt Riddle as the face of the promotion. Perhaps. I'm not sure yeah. He's the champion to be that, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. 
it'll be interesting. I mean, the last finish was in her, you know, it was a really smart the way they did the last finish with, you know, Keith Lee hitting the headbutt and Riddle falling on him. Right. And, um, there's no way to do that kind of finish this time. There's going to be a definitive win, unless there's some sort of interference where they hold the guy down. Um, yeah, I think it'll be really exciting and interesting. The one thing is like last man standing matches are like kind of anti, the finishes are always kind of like anticlimactic. You have, you know, because it's like the finish is like, Oh, the guy just stayed down, I guess. I don't know for 10 seconds, but, um, and, uh, I hope it's Brandon Tolley because the referee, without question, I think looks so dumb in these matches, like continuing to count to 10 every time. Like it's, that's kind of miserable. All right. The next match or the next biggest match is a, a non-title rematch. Evolve champion Zack Sabre Jr. facing one of one half of the newly recrowned Evolve Tag Team Champions, uh, Jaka. So this is a, also a rematch from that Evolve 87 match, which was a great match. We were like, oh, man, they really didn't build this match up. And then they just destroyed it on that show. It was great. So I'm hoping that uh, they have another really great match. Yeah. That's uh, Jocko Zack Sabre Jr. is, I think, still my match of the year for Evolve. I love that match of, like, Jocko's power and hunger versus Sabre's technical competence and, you know, Saber pulling out the win at the last minute and a hot crowd and Chris Dickinson losing his shit on the outs. It was great. It just, that was uh, really one of my, probably like my favorite moment of the year so far. Um, and yeah, it's cool. Like they had a, an awesome show in June and they're bringing back, you know, the last time they were at Laboom because they were in New York in August, but they were at the Elm Core Center. Um, and so bringing back the top two matches from that great show, but the stories have kind of advanced a little bit. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting and, um, and, you know, yeah, I, I think that I'd like to see Jocka win as much as we love Zack Sabre Jr. I think he's ready for this win. Well, you know, if they don't have the flow slam money now and they're not going to, they don't have that to use to bring in some of these bigger names, I get the sense and we'll see what happens that this new talent that Gabe's talking about is going to be mostly younger guys, like guys that are on the come up. And so if that's true, they're going to have to do some more to build up some of these guys who are already on the roster. You see that with Austin Theory, but you kind of need to see it with some more guys, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the catch point boys are going to get the ball, and it's going to be a real chance for them to run with it. And I think they'll do really well. Um, we'll see. Hopefully the affinity that Jaka earned with that Laboom crowd um, in June will uh pay dividends uh, in how they respond to him this time. Yeah, we've said that before. Like, the catch point guys are evolved, like, evolved right. through and through. And so they're really great guys to rely on if that's who you want to build around. Uh, speaking of catch point, the next match, Tracy Williams with Stokely Hathaway versus Fred Yehi. This continues, apparently, the uh, story of Yehi against catch point. Of course, in June, the last time they were in, LaBoom, he beat Jaka and Dickinson on uh, two consecutive nights. So uh, also Tracy sneakily eliminated Yehi from the WWN title match at the WWN Super Show in Orlando over Mania weekend. Uh, AT, is the feud with Fred Yehi and Catchpoint still happening? Is that still going on? I think so. In the WWN alerts, it was I didn't put it into our rundown sheet because like I don't include all the like special titles. 
but it was like catch point former catch former tag team partners collide. So they're former tag team champions together. Um, so yeah, I think so because, um, yeah, it seems it seems like he's going to um, try to beat all of his former stablemates again now that he's at a catch point, right? I know Riddle's not in catch point anymore, but he has Riddle the next night, so he's gone through Jock and Dickinson, and now he's going to try to beat Tracy. And um, yeah, we'll see. It's a big match for Tracy because if Tracy Williams wins, he's getting that championship match the next night. So did you say that already? No, I didn't. Okay, cool. Sorry. Sometimes I, I'm like, I was oh. actually thinking about it as you were saying it. And yeah. I was like, oh, God, I, need I to was like, oh, my like, just like, <laughs> you know, just like talking over Aaron, just saying the thing you just said. But I was like, D-. so anyway, yeah, it's, great, great radio, right? We're just killing the game once it's, again. It's interesting because this is almost like the territory days of like these stories go along with what they were doing last time in New York. Yeah, I like that. It's smart. They're smart about that in Evolve. And so, yeah, we'll. I think it'll be a good match, and uh, we'll see what happens with the AHI. It feels like they were doing this sort of catch point redemption story, and then he had the tag title shot, and it kind of like went away from that. You know, he had the rematch with Zach, um, so I feel like it went away from that for a little bit, but now they're returning to it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Tracy win, but that would make it hard. Well, they have two, they both have weekend long stories, so it's really going to be interesting who comes out on top here. Because we'll talk about the next night, but you know the matches that they're going into. I'd like to see Tracy win. I think he's doing some of his best work lately. I'd like to see him continue that momentum. And he's a guy, you know, depending on where they're going, that you could consider uh, putting at the top and, and letting him run and see what happens. So I'd like to see him continue here. The only other match that's been announced to this point is Darby Allen versus Jared One Twenty, and. Uh, it's Jared. Jared is- oh, you're doing the gimmick again. All right, all right. That's <laughs> Come on, AT. Oh, I blew it. No, I'm not doing a gimmick. Jared120 <laughs> is the guy who did the uh, was doing the magic tricks last month in Chicago, and his first uh, victim was Darby. Uh, Darby, of course, lost to Tracy Williams and beat DJZ last month in what was an awesome match. So, I don't know. You got any feelings about this? Um, we'll see. Uh, I. We'll wait. To, I thought like the magic trick stuff was kind of lame, but I'll wait to see uh, Jarek one twenty. Right? I've never seen him wrestle before, and um, there's one thing that can be said about Gabe Sapolsky is he is like a god level talent scout, and so yeah, I'll wait and see. Right? You know, because like it's like with Austin Theory, we didn't see it at first either. We were like, I don't really know what's going on here. And then within a couple of months, it was clear. It was like, oh, yeah, 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 obviously, yeah. I get it, yeah. He was right. He's going to be a huge star. Um, so, yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, we'll, I'll, I'll see what this guy has uh, has got. Yeah, but Jared120 is starting behind the eight ball with me because the magic stuff was so lame. So he's, magic he's really going to have to. Yeah, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't quite do it for me, especially because they did it on back-to-back nights. Um, yeah. yeah, it's going to have to be good. So uh, what we know is that the other people who are announced as being booked are Evolve Tag Team Champion Chris Dickinson, Jason Kincaid, Austin Theory with Priscilla Kelly, and what's being billed as new talent. So that's all we know about the rest of Evolve 94 as of Wednesday night at 730. So Let me just check my yet. email again. They said that they would be back today with um, another WWN alerts. 
Um, we tried to wait uh, as long as not, we could. Not here yet. Okay. Well, let's move on to Evolve 95. Maybe something will show up. It'll, I'm sure it'll drop the minute we're done recording. Evolve 95, Sunday night at 6 p.m. in East Haven, Connecticut. Again, you can catch it on WWNlive.com. Uh, WWN wanted us, not wanted us, but wanted everyone to note that there will be a PAPW show at 6 p.m. The Evolve card actually begins at 7. So both are going to be on WWN Live. You get it off. Uh, com, you get it all for the one price. But if you want to uh, tune in a little early, you'll catch a card from PAPW. But I don't know what that card is, so we're just going to talk about the Evolve card. Uh, the big match that night is it's going to be an Evolve Championship match. If Tracy Williams wins at Evolve 94, as AT mentioned earlier, it'll be Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tracy Williams with Stokely Hathaway. Uh, again, you know, we talked about this um, last month, but they have now completely gone away from only one title being defended each weekend. So we are only defending one on each show, but the weekend is going to feature or could feature title matches for both titles. Okay. Um, I don't know if it's actually going to end up being a title match. You would kind of assume so, but uh, what do you think about this match? Uh, It's interesting. Zach's had a really great reign so far. We've talked a lot about it on the show and had a lot of great moments. And uh, yeah, and, and every month we're like, this is going to be it. And he doesn't lose. So, um, you know, I don't care to make a prediction. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be good. It's it's weird because it's like they, in both of these shows, you have like the guy who lost the title match for one title, like almost immediately getting a shot at the other one, right? Like Keith Lee was last seen, you know, losing his Evolve Championship match. And then the next show, um, he's challenging for the WWN Championship. And Tracy Williams just lost a, a big WWN title match. And now two shows later, you know, the next weekend that they have, he'll be challenging for the Evolve title, which is like, it's kind of like, one of the foibles of having two titles that are both top titles is there are only so many challengers you can have and you kind of run into things where it's like Tracy's coming in a little cold to this title. You know, if he wins, even with, even with the win uh, over Yehi, it's still like kind of weird, but yeah, I think it'll be a good match. I think Tracy's done well lately and he had, you know, that match with Riddle was awesome and, Zach is our sweet woke boy and can do no wrong. So uh, I expect that he'll have another great title defense if it's title defense. There's a possibility that I love this match because they're both, well, Zach has, has been great for a while at being really brutal and aggressive with his offense. Tracy's been doing more of that. So I'm excited to see how this turns out. It could be absolutely nasty. And I'm looking forward to that. Like I said earlier, I do think this is a good opportunity to, to run with Tracy if you want to. Uh, I'm not sure that, that that's what they're going to do, but it would be interesting, especially you could play into it if Zach loses to Jocka the night before, so there's a catch point angle there, and there's always got to be a catch point angle. So that could play into it. Uh, I always hate to see Zach lose, but, you know, I could see the the logic of, of doing it that way. The next match is a non-title rematch. Uh, perhaps WWN champion Matt Riddle taking on Fred Yehi. Uh Yehi defeated Riddle over Mania Weekend. Uh, you you put in our pre-show notes that you thought the match was all right. I just want to correct the record that it was a great match. 
So I'm not really sure what, what you were watching over Mania weekend, but I expect this to be another great match. All right. Yeah, I wasn't as into it, but that was before <laughs> I let the light of uh, Fred Yehi into my heart. Sure. I think that his work like kind of went over my head for a long time. And then a friend sat me down and was like, here's what's happening. Here's the art that you're missing. And then I was like, oh, and you like, you see it. And then you see it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This next level shit. So, um, yeah. I probably underrated that match in my memory. But, yeah, I expect that this will be really good. It was really good. Uh, okay. The only other match that we know about is Keith Lee versus Darby Allen, which has, you know, there's no story to it, but it sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it's like Darby's going to die. Um, because it's like, yeah, it's just like this big dude against this small dude who, like, is just reckless and crazy and does, like, that. the match he had against DJZ was so good last month. Darby rules. Darby sells so well. Keith Lee's great. It's going to be great. I'm interested to see what this East Haven crowd is like. We always talk about the yeah. crowds and, and, and the venues and how much sort of they add to our enjoyment of the show. And so that's like another thing I would think about. It will be fascinating. Uh, I don't know. Connecticut like sucks as a state. <laughs> I feel like it's like top 10 worst states. Wow. Yeah. Especially for like, a, especially for me for like as a blue state, like Connecticut blows, right? You know, like are there many blue states that are worse than Connecticut? Uh, well, I mean, it depends on how you're, how you're thinking about that. Just like if you, the only thing you know about someone is from Connecticut. Um, are you like, that's a person I want to hang out with or no? No, I think they're probably like a snobby douche. Or like, can you think of like a place in Connecticut that you'd want to go? God, no. Or like a cultural contribution. I guess like New Haven supposed to have good pizza. So I hope everyone going to the show gets a <laughs> slice. But, you know, I'm, I live in New York, so it's kind of whatever to me. Right, of course. New York pizza. New York pizza. So, uh, no, I can't think of any cultural contribution of Connecticut. I mean, I, you could say WWE, I guess. Sure. Which is, you know, <laughs> the bridge, shout out to the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Sure. Sure. Well, shout out to, uh, um, I feel like there are some like good hardcore bands from Connecticut that I can't think of off the top of my head. Mm. Um, but no, I got, I got nothing else on Connecticut. That's it. That's a very sound analysis, AT. I really like Thanks. that. Thanks. Yeah, that's what that's what people come to us for. And, they do. Uh, yeah, and, and I just like I guess I feel like we're are we basically done here? I like yeah, let me just say that there are the other people who are announced for the for Evolve ninety five, Evolve Tag Team Champion Chris Dickinson. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Evolve Tag Team Champions Chris Dickinson and Jaka, who will both be on the show. Austin Theory with Priscilla Kelly, Jason Kincaid, Jared one twenty, and new talent. So we don't know what those matches are going to be yet but they will apparently all be there for Evolve 95. So do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, before yeah, we get yeah. Out of here? I just want to say, you know, we didn't get to have as much fun as we usually like to do on this podcast today. And I want to thank everyone for sticking with us. And uh, the last couple weeks, like the, you know, week or so after the last show that we did was like a stressful and anxiety producing week for us. And uh, I really appreciated that. Like we saw people, holding us down on Twitter and we went to see what people were saying about our story on Reddit and our people were holding us down there. And, uh, we, uh, you know, this is like, uh, you know, a dinky indie wrestling podcast, as I say all the time, but, uh, we appreciate, uh, 
you taking the time and, and, and saying nice things about us during our stressful week. Yeah. It would like, I understand now when journalists talk about how they hate becoming part of the story, like that's what happened to us. Uh, well, I mean, it didn't happen to us. I guess we, we took some role in, you know, in becoming part of the story, unfortunately, because we had to, or felt like we had to. And uh, it was super stressful. Uh, when I w- finally went a full day without Gabe Sapolsky calling me, I, it was like one of the best days of my life. And uh, But it was really nice. So many people reached out to say supportive things, or most importantly to me, not just to be like, Aaron's, we think you're cool, but to be like, Aaron's, we think this was important and a good thing to do. I really appreciated that. People taking up for us online, uh, we appreciated that. Only because we think we were right. <laughs> you know, like... Not just people taking up for us uh, for fun, but uh, thanks for uh, being there for us. It makes it all – the point I'm making is it made it worth it, all the stress and all that stuff. Like when you have this cool community of people who listen to this podcast and engage with us online and are uh, people that I would call friends of ours as a result of this podcast, it's really cool. So we're going to keep doing this as long as uh, we can and uh, keep – bringing the fresh content for you guys to uh, defend us for. And uh, yeah. And when we do fuck up and we get something wrong, uh, have at us. We expect to hear from you. Please. Like we don't have uh, any concerns with being called out if we say or do something stupid. So we deserve that just like everybody else does. So I think that's a very good point uh, to make as, uh, as propagandi said, I'll call you on your shit. Please call me on mine. All right. We are the wrong boys. Uh, I want to remind everybody to, that you can always find us at the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network on VoicesOfWrestling.com. You can, of course, subscribe to Everything Evolves independently from the uh, Voices of Wrestling Network. You can find that on iTunes. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, just thank you for listening. Please keep listening. Uh, We'll be back after these shows this weekend to give a review of those shows and uh, talk about anything else that goes on. Hopefully nothing that has to do with us and only about wrestling. And I look forward to uh, talking to you guys then. For Aaron, I'm Aaron. We're the wrong boys. See you next time. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now. Incova Insurance.